And uh, welcome back, everyone. It's Swing Thoughts. Uh, good to be with you on this PGA Championship weekend. 11.50 TSN is now running the show uh, on the radio, which seems weird. We were a podcast that became a radio show, uh, but we're happy to be here. Uh, my name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show, running uh, every day on uh, Funny 820 and around the world at HumbleandFredRadio.com. With me is the uh, mental performance coach from the uh, Glen Abbey Golf Academy and a uh, the coach of the Guelph Griffins. You can get him at O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim O'Connor, hello, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? Hang on a second. Let me just turn the music down so we can all hear you. Yeah, I'm great, right. Tim. Uh, and, of course, Tim, our sponsor, Adidas Golf. And Taylor May, the number one driver in golf, on this show today, because it's a major weekend, uh, we're lucky enough to be able to give away some more, uh, stuff. T- some more stuff. Uh, we'll tell you what that is. It's going to be that major, uh, Adidas prize package. We're going to give you some shoes, some shirts. You're going to get golf balls from TaylorMade and hats. And it's all going to be revealed later on in this program as we are recording this show. Uh, we like to be, um, you know, full disclosure, we're recording it before Brooks Kepka plays his second round of the PGA Championship and continues to wreck golf. <laughs> <laughs> With his dynamic With his, personality. <laughs> we, well, it, we'll, we'll talk about Brooks, Brooks Kepka and his uh, issues, but um, yeah, he really, he really managed to make the PGA Championship a little bit more boring because it's going to be like, I wonder how many Brooks is going to win by. Exactly. And uh, did you see, uh, I put a little thing on our Facebook page yesterday uh, in reaction to what he was talking. I know it was in context of slow play. Yeah. But he was talking about, you know, if it's taking so long, why don't we just make it 14 or 15 holes? You know, you just get to the 19th hole earlier. And he was saying that, um, you know, I kind of get bored in that middle. I, I can know, never he, remember. He five was, to 12. What he, happens there? Don't know. He was talking about the holes. He said, uh, yeah, I don't know. Between five and uh, 12 or 13. And he said, I don't know what happens. <laughs> I just, just got to black out. I just kind of get bored. And, and I, so I just, he, he triggered me. And oh, so yeah, I saw that. He really triggered me. You know, me. he goes, he goes, well, well, Brooks, if you're wondering why the media's not interested in you, maybe it's because you don't seem that interested in golf. Well, these are all the things we'll talk about in our second half. Uh, yeah, I saw you were really ticked off there, Tim. You really, you really took a stand. Um, but, uh, anyway, Brett, so just so you know, we don't, so so we don't know what's happened after the Friday round, but let's assume that Brooks Kepka is going to continue to win majors at a furious clip. But on the show today, making a return to the program, uh, he and I have been uh, friends for uh, several years now. He's been a friend of Swing Thoughts uh, since we started. He is a uh, currently a Ph.D. candidate in, well, as he's explained, there's no there's no such thing as golf psychology. I'm not even sure if if it's sports psychology. Is it just sport? It's just psychology, isn't it? No, no, it's sports psychology. Okay, sports psychology. Well, he's a Ph.D. Ph. Let me get this right. He's a Ph.D. candidate in sports psychology at Western universities, one of the top-ranked golfers, first of all, one of the top-ranked university players of all time, and is currently easily within the top five uh, mid-amateur golfers in Canada. He's been a member of uh, the Western University golf team for many years. And in an interesting twist, and you're going to hear about this, uh, our guest is not only an elite player, 
himself, but he he works with other elite players as well, which is an interesting sort of situation. Say hello to Charles Fitzsimmons. Hello, Charles. Thanks for having me on, Howard. And I would say that you are probably the most elite player that I get to work with. Oh, is that right? <laughs> um, I need to find elite, though. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Very apparently, very loosely. Yeah. Uh, this was kind of a. I mean, listeners of the show know that I, I compete a lot, and I, I have maybe I probably mentioned that Charles and I have. Uh, Competed together, uh, separately and against one another. And most recently, we qualified for the Ontario Better Ball, which was a, a tournament we like to play in every year. Uh, unfortunately, I had to WD yesterday because I've injured myself, but, uh, and I felt bad because I just love playing with you and it's always a fun time. How is your shoulder doing, Howard? It's, uh, it's not great. You know, it's not bad. I can, uh, you see, I held the coffee cup with my left arm. Um, but let's get to uh, some golfy golf stuff. Now, Charles, yeah. uh, I've given some background on you. It is, I think it is unique, Tim, that what Charles does is you work with Team Ontario, but you also work with everyday, you know, schmoes like me. <laughs> you know, last week before you and I started uh, a tournament round together, we sort of had a little mini conference about what our goals were that day, and we sort of talked things over. You know, Let's start there. That little conversation we had prior to competing, do you think that would be of any interest to the average person? And you think those are the kind of things defining what one one wants to do on a day of golf? Uh, do you think that would help the average person? Oh, without a doubt. Um, I think it can help you to achieve a lot of things. I mean, the big question is, why do we all play golf, you know? And, and the answer is different for everyone. Some people, it's to be social and have fun with their friends. Some people, it's to try and score low and, and everything in between. And, you know, clearly defining that not only makes it more enjoyable for the day and more satisfying, which is kind of what we're all after in the, the big scheme of things, but also it can help you to play better. And, you know, when we, for example, what you and I were talking about, we we're really trying to understand, okay, what is it going to take for us to play well in terms of the things we can control? So much of golf is out of your control, and it can kind of compound on you very quickly. The more you can focus on those kinds of things that are in your control, uh, the better you can play. And so there's a kind of a question that I really ask to all my athletes before they play, which is, you know, what does it take for you to hit a great golf shot? And and really helping them to understand and distill that down to a, kind of a simple little formula that they can try and repeat, you know, as many times as possible. So what does it take for somebody listening who's maybe not an elite player, but what are what are some of the questions they might ask themselves? For, for instance, what if you're a 15 handicapper and you and I were having this conversation, uh, what does it take for you to hit a good golf shot? Uh, there are common variables, but everyone tends to be a little bit unique that way. The, the simplest way to do it is basically to review some of the great shots you've hit in the past and go through what you kind of thought and, and what you focused on as you hit those shots. Um, so, you know, when you look back at a great round you played and thought, okay, I hit this really great three-wood here, what was kind of going on? Well, there's usually common themes like I had a really clear target or kind of a picture of the shot I was playing. I felt committed and confident that I could actually pull that shot off. And usually there's very... Um, there's a simplicity in, in kind of the, the swing thought that they have and, and meaning that they tend to be more athletic or reactive and less 
kind of control based. It's more, you know, I think it was George Knudsen, right, that talked about uh, you have to give up control to gain control, right? And it's that same idea when you kind of just are ready to let things fly and roll with it and just kind of be an athlete. You, you get out of your own way and you you basically tap into the kind of parts of your brain that we're trying to tap into, which is basically kind of prehistoric hunting, being very target oriented. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. Just do what he said. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. That's great. What's interesting to me about just that. Just do what just Charles do, said. Yeah, just do that and you'll be good. Um, is that I went right there is like, it, you know, doing what you do well to hit a golf shot. And it's not that you, uh, dropped your right elbow into the front of your, your right hip or you turned your hips or you, it's usually, it's nothing technical. It's usually something that, you know, around that day in terms of what were you focused on? Well, you know, I just, just want to have a good time with my buddies or something, or I was just enjoying the day or it was, you know, I was just like knocking down targets for some reason. Um, just things looked inviting. The, the, the whole looked like a bushel basket that day. Those types of things. And as you said, it's, it ends up being very primal. It, it's, it's allowing, you know, I talk about this ad infinitum. It's allowing your body to do what it knows how to do. Yeah. You know, I've used this example before, you know, when, when the, when the Bushman has to feed his family and the antelope is going at an angle away from him. He's not thinking of release point and shifting his weight. No, he just sees that antelope, spear, go, throws it out there, and that thing intersects, goal. Yeah, but the thing yeah. is, if I was a bushman, I'd miss the antelope and then go back to the range and just be throwing spears for 40 hours. And that's why your shoulder hurts. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I really need to get my spear release perfect. Yeah, um, <laughs> I got to perfect it that way. I got to, yeah, but, but sure. and Charles, it's interesting that Tim and I pick up on the idea that it really is the primal, I the primal motivation of throwing something at something, um, and sometimes for golfers they think it's more complicated than that. Our little pre-tournament, you know, conference the other day um, before we teed off was all about like, okay, what are you know? I talked to you about what are the things I'm working on, but then what are we going to work on as a team? And and we decided that we would. I don't know. We had this conversation about Game of Thrones for 18 holes, where literally after every shot in a tournament, we were sort of continuing this conversation. But I, I had told Charles before I teed off, I had read this thing, and I think I mentioned it on the show. It said the the quiet golfer, the quiet golfer is usually mean to themselves, right? You know, we all know that. You're not saying anything. What you're really saying is all horrible things to yourself. You missed the antelope. You are a bad spear person. So at one point, and we, and so the point I'm trying to make is Charles and I, we, we would hit a shot and then continue talking and walking. And there was a point where I hit a ball out of bounds on about the, I'm going to say the 13th or 14th hole after a really nice period of play from me. And at one point, Charles just said quietly, are we not talking anymore? <laughs> Howard, you're being quiet. Howard, <laughs> Howard, you're being a little quiet. I was like, yeah, I was just trying to synthesize that uh, ball out of bounds. Yeah, I'm going to jump in. Uh, so I do these workshops uh, called Getting Unstuck, and I was at Summit the other night. And this is just such a common experience. One of the, the, the guys was talking about, like, he's about a nine, and he wants to get to a six. So he's very aspirational. And so for him, it's shooting mid-70s is like, you know, that, that's when he's really nailing it. And he talked about playing golf with this guy who was driving the cart 
and talking and talking and talking. So he was listening the entire time. So his focus was always on this other dude. When he added up his score, 76, (laughs) Nirvana, without trying. Yeah. You know, it just like, because he was just so out of his own way. And I find that that's just such a common experience. Uh, quickly, I, the last time I came close, it was either I shot par or close. I was playing with uh, our good pal Ronan, friend of the show, and Tommy Nowak at Blue Springs. And we were just like chatting the whole time, just, just on stuff constantly. It's like finish the shot, get back into conversation. And because I wasn't so focused on, oh, how am I doing? We were just engaged all the time with with ourselves and what we were doing. So Charles extrapolates some stuff from that that uh, people listening might think, okay, oh, that's that's great. So being other-focused is something that I can do. What are some of the things that uh, you start working with, whether it's an elite player on, uh, on the uh, Team Ontario or just uh, regular folks? You're talking in between shots, right? And And one of the things... Everyone's heard of the zone and everyone's trying to get into the zone and spend more time in the zone. And it's this nebulous concept that's kind of out there. One of the, the, the things that the research says is basically the more self-reflective you are, the more you pull yourself out of the zone. Exactly. And, and the more kind of present and, and external engaged and just kind of in the moment you are, the more you're able to kind of just be in that flow state and kind of keep rolling with things. And so mm. the ability to talk to other people or engage in different things. Jack Nicholas was famous for kind of tracing trees in the distance with his eyes, right? Where you kind of keep his mind engaged and keep them external as opposed to that, that kind of self-reflective narrative, which can get very ugly as we were talking about earlier very quickly. And one of the challenges of golf is the time in between. You know, you play hockey. I played hockey. We all, you know, Timmy did. There's, there's, it's, you just react to things. You don't really have a a lot of time for self-reflective, to be self-reflective. You know, maybe when the play's over, you might dissect it. The problem with the game is you have so much time in between to try and synthesize what's just gone on. What are some of the techniques that I know we've talked about it on the show? Things I do that I got from you. What are some of the techniques that you advise others to uh, you know, whether it's looking at the sky or what are some of the things you talk about? It, it's really finding ways to allow their mind to take a little break and take a little vacation between shots. You know, that you hear the pros talk about it all the time. You can't be focused for five hours. It's just not possible, right? Your 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 brain is going to melt if you try and be that kind of laser focused for that long. So being able to be okay with your mind shifting topics and going to other places between shots are, are key. So the extreme example of this was one of the Team Ontario girls we had a couple years ago um, really loved school. And uh, what she ended up doing was actually doing homework between shots on the golf course um, because she could just have her little notes there and just she really took a lot of joy and also took a lot of pride and kind of confidence out of the way she was kind of working hard on her school and doing well in it. And that just kind of put her in this really good mental state of, of feeling accomplished, feeling confident, feeling positive, as well as stopped a lot of that kind of negative kind of cycling down. So it, it really set her up well to be able to come in to her next shot in a good frame of mind. You know, just before we started, I, I caught uh, the tail end of a conversation you and Tim were having about aspirational or, or being positive or, you know, it, because, you know, 
expectations can kill golfers quicker than anything because you 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 start to think about oh, am I having my best round ever whatever it is Timmy but what's wrong with having the expectation of wanting to do well oh there's 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 nothing wrong with that I think most people who are aspirational golfers are competitive in different aspects of their lives and they've got there because they put in the hard work yeah there's some people who just have a lot of talent but most people they've worked hard so we want that juice flowing we want that energy uh, that oh today's one of those rounds i could win this tournament that's all great stuff but it's being able to balance that like as, as charles said if you become fixated that you could win and you are focusing all your energies there you're going to run out of energy so fast you just just so you have to be able to drop in and drop out and and that's you know and that's being able to have say a process particularly say a pre-shot routine where you can start to move out of the conversation about whether Vladdy Guerrero is the best thing that ever happened or whether the NHL needs a new rule for reviewing goals you need a yeah. process to let that go where you're relaxing putting your brain on vacation and then coming into your focus Okay, just hold that for a second, though, Timmy. Charles, did you want to say something about aspirational and, and expectations? Yeah, so certainly from a, a research perspective, you know, you want to go in believing you can play well, right? We, we want you believing you can play well and, and doing well. Um, but we have to understand how we define that, right? So how do you define success? And, and yes, obviously winning and, and kind of beating people is a big part of that. But we have to somehow, as kind of Tim was talking about, use that competitive energy to focus on our process, to focus on what we need to do to hit that great shot, kind of like we started at the beginning of the, the show talking about. Where what where we get in trouble is we get so focused on winning that we forget what it takes for us to hit a great shot and, and forget what to use to focus on to do that. I think for the amateurs listening that aren't, you know, playing competitively, you know, whether you have a pre-shot routine or or you're trying to win the day of, uh, against your buddies, the fact is we all want to do well. And and coming to the golf course every day, we're hoping that, I think we all hope that we have a, a good outcome. It's when it's when it doesn't happen. It's, it's, it's what do we do, Timmy, you know, reacting versus responding when those dreams of grandeur go away, as they invariably do every time we tee it up. Well, Life, golf, it's never as it should be. It no. just is what it, it is just what it is. And so I think that what we need to do is ground ourselves into, again, uh, I just, <laughs> what you were saying right off the top of the show, but why do you play golf? When you connect to that, then you have a baseline. You have something to base, you know, why you're there. And I think when you understand that part and you know why you're out there, <clears throat> You're not as as likely to get kind of pulled out into these, you know, fantasies or or these desires of, and particularly a fixation on an outcome. Right. You know, this is successful if I break 110, 190, 80, or if I win this tournament. If if you achieve some distance away from that, that you know what, no matter what happens here today, I had a good time. Uh, let's say I learned more about myself today than I knew about yesterday. You can get a success from every round. It's having that bigger picture that allows you to get the results you're seeking. But if you're desperately running after results, right, 
you stop yourself from getting them. You, you know, you're talking about your friend that's, uh, you know, an eight wants to be a six. And so on the day he shot 76, okay, great. So I'm good. I'm a good person today. But if I shot 86, I'm not. Whereas maybe a, a different way to look at it is even on the days you shoot 86, you can think, okay, what did I learn today that will, I can use on my way to getting to where I want to go, right, Charles? Yeah, exactly. As we've talked about before, Howard, just briefly, basically, you know, your score on any round, there's a lot of it that's out of your control. There's a lot of variability in your score from round to round. And a lot of that comes from actually sources of error. And so we tie so closely our confidence and our kind of ego into our score when, when reality is, is that's not what's really going on in each round. And we need to look at things outside of that, that, as you said, are going to help us along our journey. You know, so even if maybe the score doesn't go our way one day, we get some bad bounces, we're still learning and still picking up on those answers to the questions of how do I play great golf and, you know, continuing along that path of why I play golf. And when you put those two things together, you can have some really, really great results as well as feel really fulfilled uh, with what you're doing. Yeah, and sometimes the ball goes in the hole due to errors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know, it does. I hit, I hit a, you know, I, I hit a great shot, and instead of, you know, what I think is a great shot, and it hits the side of a hill where it usually bounds in, but for some reason it kicks to the back. Or, you know, it's like uh, Scott Fawcett, we went to this great workshop that he did, and in the U.S. Amateur, kids got a one-up lead, and he hits a sandwich, blocks it to the right. Oh, it's chunk. It's ugly. <laughs> he slams his club, hits the hill, comes onto the green, goes in. <laughs> yeah. Golf is just like that. So whether it goes in or it doesn't, if you can, I forget who said it. It was, I think it was, uh, Judson Brewer, uh, an esteemed ac uh, academic like our friend Charles. He said, if you can kind of go through life or golf with a sense of curiosity, and that's a great place to be. You know, it, 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 and I think that access is, say, just the feeling of joy we get from playing golf, which connects to why we play. Just a couple more minutes with Charles. Charles, with Charles, Charles. has his finger up. I, I, want, I want to jump in there if I can, Howard. Yeah, I'm just going to say a couple more minutes, and then we're going to go to our break. We only have a couple more minutes with Charles yeah. Fitzsimmons, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I think what Tim was saying there was, was really appropriate, and it comes – from a lot of different areas, but this one of the concepts that comes out of acceptance commitment therapy, which is kind of focused around mindfulness, is all about psych psychological flexibility. And included in that is a big part of that is openness to experience. And it's openness to experience the challenges of golf as well as the joys. Mm -hmm. And if you can be open to that, you're able to respond to them a lot better, right? You have to know that there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs in every in every golf game, right? Uh, I can't remember. One of the greatest pros, I want to say it was Jack Nicholas, but he always said there's going to be a bad chunk somewhere in the round, yeah. right? <clears throat> and, and kind of being prepared for that and knowing that's going to come and, and being okay with that uh, is a big part of being able to deal with it, right? So the more you can be open to these experiences of, of, yes, there's going to be good times, but, yes, there's going to be challenges, and all of it is a positive experience that you find fulfilling because you want to challenge yourself or because you want to kind of grow as a person, whatever your kind of value may be. But this this ability to kind of roll with things and be flexible from a psychological perspective is is key. Well, we're going to leave it there. I mean, it, what, what Charles just said, and, and we've made this point on the show many times that that's why golf is such a great metaphor for life because, you know, a lot of our stress in everyday life comes from the fantasy that today may be the day that nothing bad happens. Um, listen, Charles. Fantasy. That is the word. It, it is a fantasy. Uh, Charles Fitzsimmons, 
Uh, hopefully, this won't be our uh, our last chance to play this summer, but uh, I'll see. Uh, we have a couple of invitationals. We're going to be at the same place together. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Charles, where do people do we even have? Do we can people even talk to you, or is that not not time yet? No, no people can't find. No me. one it's can find possible. you. They can't find me. Uh, I have a website, eclipseperformance.ca, that you can find me on, but. Uh, Otherwise, always just feel free to uh, to bug Howard and, and find me. Exactly. Uh, listen, kid, uh, sorry we didn't get a chance to play. We'll do it again. Charles Fitzsimmons, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, there Good you go. Good the early bird. Thank you. Yeah, another tournament I have to w- withdraw from. Oh, now you have a chance. Anyway, uh, we'll take a quick break. Tim O'Connor, humble Howard. This is uh, Swing Thoughts on uh, TSN 1150. We'll come back in our next segment, Why is Brooks Kepka Wrecking Golf? Uh, also, how you can win some cool tailor-made stuff and some and a complete outfit from Adidas when we come back. It gets boring from like hole five to twelve. You're just like, well, where am I right now? Uh-huh. You are bored during a tournament. Yeah, five through twelve. Yeah, I literally can't <laughs> tell you what like what happened during those holes. You kind of like black out. You're like, oh. Brooks Kepka is doing his own thing. He's playing his own event, and he's doing it unlike anybody else. Seven under par, sixty three. The second lowest round in the history of major championship golf. All right, we're back. Uh, it's Swing Thoughts each Saturday morning at 11 on TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. And uh, Tim O'Connor is my friend and uh, colleague. Are we friends and colleagues? What's the we're difference? All of that. We're all of that. <laughs> we're all of that. We're we're best pals. Yeah. We confidants. Uh, this pro- <laughs> this program is brought to you by Wordy Ta- People. Taylor made. Taylor made the number one driver in golf. Um, I can tell you from personal experience. I've been a Taylor made guy now for uh, several years, uh, using this twist face technology. No bull. It will make a difference. They say you can't buy. A better golf swing, but you can buy a better golf club, and that's tailor-made. Also, brought to you by Adidas. Um, amazing uh, outerwear. And today on the show, in the next 20 minutes, we'll tell you how you can win the all-new Tour 360 XT. Those are shoes. Uh, we both wear them. And the ultimate uniform. Uh, we've got some shorts and uh, cool shirts as well, uh, we'll give away not one, but two dozen tailor-made TP5 uh, golf balls and a cool twist face hat. Um, we'll tell you. Actually, you know what, Tim? Why don't we yes. do it now? Sure. And then we'll do it again at the show, at the end of the show. Okay. So uh, our question today, in order to win, we'll give away three different prize packages. All you have to do is go to our Facebook page and put the answer in there. Um, the question is... Where is the PGA Championship being played? Of course, the obvious answer would be... Uh, oh, I'm supposed to know this? Yes, Bethpage Black. Bethpage Black. But that's not the answer we're looking for. We're oh. looking for the um, the town, I guess it is, where... Like, it's in Nassau County on Long Island, but I guess the town is a place called Farmingdale, New York. 
What a lovely name that is, it Farmingdale, is. New York. So if that's all you need, folks, go to our Facebook page and you just put in the name of that municipality. And you Whatever. Could, <laughs> and you could win. So you said it was a village. We don't know that. Well, I don't, we don't know. know if it's a town or what. So well, whatever municipality it is. covers it. Okay, so it's Farmingdale, New York. That's how you win all the prizes. Today we'll give away three of them. Um, I sort of jokingly said at the beginning <laughs> that Brooks Kepka has wrecked the PGA Championship. I, I saw your... Uh, I saw that you were ticked off because Brooke, and I, I, I'm, only, I'm only laughing because you, honestly, you're the sweetest person I've ever met. Like the things uh, that, the things that get under your, you know, whatever that craw, whatever. I just thought, Oh my God, poor Timmy's like, I, I am angry at you, Brooks Kepka. And I was like, Ooh, Brooks Kepka. I'm taking a stand. I cannot take it no more. Someone has to speak out. And that right. person is me. I laugh so hard. I'm like, oh, Timmy, you way, to t- way, to, way to fight the good fight, Tim. Way to take on the man. So the premise is that, I mean, listen, I've said this on the show before. I don't like Brooks Kepka. Uh, I, obviously, I'm not stupid. He's amazing. But I, I just, I'm tired of his, no one respects me. You know, I don't get the thing I'm doing. You know, so, so stop t- talking about it. You know, we, we would all, I think we would all, um, have more conversations about him if he wasn't so dull. I mean, you can't, you can't legislate what people respond to. Yes, of course, we all think he's an amazing player. I watched that whole round yesterday and it's, it's like, it's like watching Tiger back in 2000 and he's just that dominant, but he bores the crap out of me. And he doesn't do himself any favors because he keeps talking about how he gets no respect. Now, Tim, what are your thoughts? Um, he's obviously, uh, the way he plays, I really admire his uh, simple approach. They were actually making fun of it. Nick Faldo during the Masters. What no, I heard that. Yeah. He says nothing. Well, what he means is while he's swinging, he's not trying to do anything. And I love his PGA approach, posture, grip, alignment, then just swing. That's great. Yep. And I think one of the reasons why he plays well is that he's he's pretty chill. I, I, I don't even – here's the point I can connect to. I honestly don't think that he's really in love with being a golfer. I, he'd rather be a baseball player. And golf is just something he does he does very, very well. What I think that – there's just kind of like a – just the way he squelches his personality. And maybe that's that's just who he is. But I had someone – Send me two videos yesterday via email, basically saying, "Tim, you've really misjudged Brooks. He's a nice guy." And they had him, you know, at a clinic with juniors, saying all these lovely things and giving a talk with Tim Rosa Ford. So he is a wonderful human being. But uh, but what what he doesn't get, I think, is that um, I think you need to be just. You have to understand your position and authenticity. And I think like, think of like Wayne Gretzky. Would Wayne Gretzky say that the second period is boring or something? I mean, be, uh, oh, I don't know. But, but be let me ask leader. you this. Let, let me just jump in. Be, be a leader and, no, and, and but, say dumb things no, let about me, your let, sport. Let me just jump in. Why, right. but why do we want that from him? Like, like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to now defend him because what, what is it, like, for the longest time in his 20s and 30s, Tiger Woods, I considered him, and I was a super fan, the worst interview in golf. Absolutely. Because Tiger just had this, 
He had his thing. He had his mantra. He had his, whether it was his A game, his B game, he had this. He was a horrible interview. And it wasn't until, you know, he lived some life that he started to reflect on what you're saying. That's why I wanted to jump in. Because we're giving what what I sort of facetiously say he's wrecking the PGA Championship. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so good. But... He just does it in such a robotic way, like Tiger did, like Nicholas did, like Hogan did. It's almost like, what do we want from the guy? Because I've seen those thing, that thing he did with Rosefort. He's an engaging character. It's just when he comes to the golf course, he's, he just has figured out a way to make this persona work for him. So in terms of leadership and all those things, I would have said the same thing if you and I were talking 20 years ago. Like, this Tiger Woods guy, doesn't he understand he has a responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. But, but does he? I, I think you're, you're absolutely you're right. But what people connect to is when you show a little bit of yourself. And that was a problem many people had with Tiger. It's like with media. I was a media guy. You kind of had to grudgingly pay attention to him. Because he was the guy, as they say, Tiger doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. So you have to pay attention, even though you don't really want to. And that's part of the problem in that in what relationships make the world go around. And if you and so to develop a relationship, you kind of have to open the kimono a bit, have a, a degree of trust. And Tiger finally, finally started to gain trust in in galleries, be able to stop and sign autographs. I know that he also coming from a very, coming from a Buddhist mindset and, and being uh, trained by his father how to keep focus, that that's what Tiger did. Um, but he also started to, I, I think, I think the tiger found happiness in life and in golf when he started to open up a little bit more. Um, but to your point about, you know, Tiger started to be more comfortable with all of the uh, the trappings, trappings. Of, uh, uh, whatever, surrounding being a professional athlete when he became more comfortable with himself. Hundred percent. So, but but again, Brooks Kepka, what do, what do we want from the guy? He's won three of the last seven majors. There's only been a couple of runs like that in in golf history if he wins this weekend it'll be four of eight it will be almost unprecedented the rate he's winning earlier in the week brooks kepka said uh they asked him how many uh, majors do you think he'll win you'll win and he said I, I think double digits in play well let me tell you double digits it's only ben is only um tiger woods jack nicholas and i think hagan has 11 but everyone else, Tom Watson, uh, Nick Faldo, uh, Mick Mickelson, they've got fives and sixes. Like getting to double right. digits is, but, but, but those are the kind of things when we used to hate about Tiger when he'd say, uh, oh, I won, but I didn't have my C game. <laughs> because, right. you know, when, when you're in your flow and you have such singular belief in yourself, you know, those are the things you believe. Brooks Kepka believes that he, he can win majors for the same reason. I mean, he basically echoed Jack Nicholas earlier in the week when he said, I think I can win majors. They're easier to win because half the field has no chance. And that's I, right. And, and that's an arrogant thing to say, but it's also true. So, you know, what I'm seeing in him, and, and again, I watched that whole round yesterday because they can't play golf because I've hurt my shoulder. Um, he, 
He's amazing. His last four or five rounds in the PGA Championship alone have been a couple of 63s and all sub-70. Right. So as golf fans, we can rejoice in that. But as journalists and as human beings, you kind of want also to, the human side. So I would tell you, if you, last thing I'll say is if you want the human side of Brooks Kepka, follow him on Instagram. Because the day after the Masters, and everyone was excited about Tiger, there was a shot of Brooks and his girlfriend on the beach. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. In, in the thong thing? Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. Keep talking, Tim. I got somebody at my door. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, folks. Um, part of that was about Brando Sham Lee giving Brooks heck for losing 25 pounds or so and possibly endangering his golf swing. And... Brooks, the reason Kepka said he did it, he was doing some kind of um, golf, Tim? a photo well, sometimes shoot. Sometimes things happen. That's right. That's right. Golf. Well, I was talking about how Brooks right. Kepka lost twenty five pounds. Um, Hi, how are you? And how'd you like how'd you like that excitement? I did. That was good. I love the dog at the door. And that's, the dog that's what at the I love door. about podcasts. Yeah. They're spontaneity. Well, here's here's, the where, here's where I want to just yeah go, go ahead with that is that. And this is going to. Sound, this is a weird word for a lot of people to hear. Is is what Bruce Kepka hasn't show, shown yet is vulnerability. He hasn't said, "Okay, this is okay. This is really who I am." He keeps it closed down, and this happened to everybody. It's not until there's there's a people show not not weakness, but the, I'm a human too. Right. Ben Hogan, it changed his perception as a person as a golfer changed when he was. He and his wife were nearly killed in the bus accident. And people felt this thing, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the way he overcame basically breaking his leg. Jack Nicholas was fat Jack. No one liked him because he's taken down the King Arnold Palmer. So what happens is he, 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 he becomes more comfortable in his own skin. And then he loses some weight, grows his hair a bit. You know, he loses that stodgy you image. No, but to your point, he became more human to us. He became exactly. less of a... You know, sort of a robotic, uh, machine-like figure. And, 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 uh, and I know what you're saying. It's happened to all these great athletes. But again, I ask the question, what do we want from Brooks Kepka that we're not getting? The guy, yeah, it, you know, it, it's curious. It's curious that he hasn't won more regular tour events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's another guy I thought of this week. You know, there, he's a golf announcer now. I think Andy North is his name. Yep. Great guy. Andy North won two U.S. Opens. That's right. Um, it's a curious thing that, that and it's sort of a, a similar footnote. Now, I don't think Brooks Kepka is going to have the, he's already passed Andy North in majors. Right. But what if we, what if we're witnessing a guy that, you know, really only, gets juiced for, you know, the biggest events in golf. And, and what would be the problem if at the end of his career he had maybe five or six tour event wins and ten majors? Will we not see that as, you know, a sort of the, the modern phenomenon of golf? There's no problem with it. And what the hell does it matter anyways? Right. Really. What yep. does it matter? The whole the, – the, where I struggle with Brooks Kepka is, is um, he is who he is. And that's what, don't expect, you don't deserve anything. You don't deserve media attention. And what does it matter anyways in terms of, right. yeah, sure, a degree of fame, maybe you get a little bit more money in sponsorships. Goodness, what does it matter, you know, whether it's 8 million or 10 million, good, you know, whatever. But 
the this what it's disingenuous to me. Okay, is that if he's going to be uh, if he's only going to show one side of him, and that is fine. It, that's what he's comfortable with. Everyone is is. Um, Entitled to their boundaries, right? And, and but, 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 but then I, to complain, to complain—that's the thing. It's like so. It, it seems disingenuous, and, and he doesn't need. Quite honestly, if we're looking at our sports stars to be our models who are mentor our children and all that, well, then we're then it, we're it's a, we're doomed it's a as a society. Unfair. Yeah, I'm not looking. I'm not looking to stars to raise my children. But but you're right. That's the problem I have with Brooks. Uh, the only problem I have with him is stop talking about how uh, you don't get enough respect because eventually. You will. So let's. Uh, we've got about ten minutes left in the show. Tim O'Connor, uh, a uh, a mental performance golf coach. I don't know if you've hip to the fact now that I play at a fairly high level. I want to just give a couple of quick things. Now that the golf season's finally here, of course, I'm sidelined. If you haven't figured out, I had to get a whole bunch of uh, therapy done on my left shoulder. I withdrew this week from a tournament that I've only qualified for one other time. In my life, it's the Ontario champion of champions, and the only people who can play in it are people that have won club championships. Men, women, you junior. won your uh, you won your senior I won the club, senior club seat. Karen last year. So that was kind of a drag. Whatever, um, a big drag. Yeah, kind of a drag. And then Charles and I were supposed to play the better ball, and on and on and on. But I can tell you a couple of things that I've thought of uh, that came up on our last show that I want to get your thoughts. And, and it, it'll just be my, this is my only takeaway for people this week. And that's this. And I, and I, oh, by the way, um, my older brother, who is like a super smart, like masters of psychology, this is his favorite podcast now. Cause he's a golf cool. nerd. He's Thanks. like, he's like, you guys were born to do this, man. I'm like, thank you, smarter older brother. Um, Basically anyway, pat in the head from older brother. Right? No, no, exactly. So here's my takeaway. <laughs> If you if you could just go to the golf course and restrict yourself to this, and we brought it up on last week's show, but I want to just um, articulate it a little bit more. And, it, and it, Charles said something that reminded me of it. You can lower your stress level by 50% on every shot if you ask yourself this question. Am I able to hit this shot? And what I'm saying is if you restrict your golf to only shots you know how to hit, if you have a 50-foot putt and you're trying to sink it, that's great. But if you know that you're comfortable getting it within three or four feet, that will that will take some of the anxiety away. That's not the best example. If you're trying to hook something around a tree versus chipping out, you're going to lower your stress level by chipping it back into play. You know what I mean? If you're Absolutely. Try, if you're trying to slide a cut five iron into a back right, you know, elevated... A pin position versus laying it up to the front of the green, you're going to str- your your stress level will go up or down depending on the shot you know how to hit. Yeah, well, think about it. where does stress come from? Really, stress is from fear, and you know, and uncertainty. And what and what we want is, when we're in a good place, we have. And it's like Charles would said, those things that we can we're in a greater sense of control and thus ease. And a lot of times, what people are trying to do is they're trying to match this model of say what a good score is so you know i'm in the woods i'm going to hit the shot so i can give myself a better chance at 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 par because it this this will be successful i'll shoot you know 39 on this ninth hole if i shoot par 
you know, and so so it's a manufactured illusion of what they're trying to do, or that you know a a, a great golfer uh, goes for it on par fives, right? And, you know, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do, and you know, we're all over the place here, but um, that to me is being mindless, <clears throat> as Ellen Langer yeah. would talk about. It's just doing things because we're kind of feel like we're we're programmed, or we're supposed to do them, and when you feel stress, is really if you really connect into what's happening in your body, you can feel it. You know, with me, it's like kind of like electricity it, it going through my torso. It's tension. Um, standing over shot, I can't get my feet to settle. That's basically your body saying, you know what? Abort, abort this operation. Start again. No, exactly. And that, do something that you know how to do and you're comfortable with doing. That's a great point. You know, and we've made it on the show before. If you're standing over a shot, whatever, if it's a chip shot or a longer shot, and you don't feel comfortable, that is a, a Swing Thoughts certified, you know, death move, if you will, if we can take that from Jim McClain. And if anyways. You, and anyways. And that yeah. is, that's Swing Thoughts basics, kids. If you're standing over the ball and you hit it anyway, and then you think about it after, why... Why it went awry is because you were standing over there and something within you, whether you thought the lie was a bit funky or whatever, we say, get away, step away, try it again. Yeah, your buddies might kid you like, oh, you know, but it, it'll just help you conserve some, some shots. Um, respond to that. Then I want to come back to what we were talking about, uh, about hitting shots that you can hit. Go ahead. Well, the, 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 the what happens to a lot of golfers is that they're, in fact, they are so thinking about what they're doing. They're in their heads. They're disembodied. They're not connected to, to their body. So they can't tell that they're fidgeting around and they got a death grip and they're going to swing it so fast. It's like Zorro. Yeah. So what, what, you know, again, we're coming back to swing thoughts 101. This is stuff we've been preaching on this show for. What is it? Ninety-four shows now. No, so no, no. You know, we're, we're getting close the, to a hundred people since the, year, is, since the early 1960s when we were on Shell's Wonderful World of Golf. Yeah, it's on black and white <laughs> That's radio. Right. When we were like on that. black and white radio, uh, <laughs> I, I would tell you. You know, you mentioned if somebody's on the ninth hole and they think, "Oh, I've hit it in the woods. Now I won't make my par to shoot 39." All those things, um, you know. Now my ego will be, you know, whatever uh, attacked. I would always say, like. Every, sh if you can look at every shot and think, okay, what's, what's the shot from this point forward? Right. Um, what's the best I can do from this point forward on every hole? And that's why Hebron recommended this book. I read it called Point A Golf. And the idea is that every shot is point A. That's the beginning. Yeah. There's no, there is no point B because the next shot is the beginning of the next point A. So, as you're playing your rounds, maybe you're vaguely aware of what you're doing, but once you're in trouble, that's when trouble starts, you know, and what you just no. said about being disconnected and getting in our heads, that's when it's exacerbated. So I would say when you find yourself away from the fairways of life, that's when you have to start going, okay, where am I? Let's get to the present tense. And how do I get home from here? You're talking about awareness. You're talking about People in, in, in life in so many ways is, is, is being able to go like, okay, what's going on here right now? Yeah. So that could be like, what am I paying attention to? Uh, so it could be overshot. I'm paying attention to the fact I feel like I got to hit a shot here. And then, then to do, 
you know, a nice takeaway is, is to do a body scan before every shot. What am I, what am I feeling in my body? And then you can respond to it. But if you're not aware, you can't respond. Um, once again, we're giving away, <clears throat> excuse me, some great tailor-made golf balls. Ricky Fowler, he changed to tailor-made TP5 for a reason. We've got two dozen of those plus some cool twist face, um, hats from TaylorMade. And then the entire, uh, the entire kit and caboodle from, uh, Adidas, the new Tour 360s. Plus we'll give you a, uh, a shirt, some shorts, um, from, uh, the ultimate 365 bottoms and tops. And all we're looking for, Tim, is the answer to the question, where are they playing the PGA Championship? And our answer is... Oshawa. No, Oshawa. Uh, Farming... <laughs> <laughs> Farmingdale, Farmingdale, in the lovely state of New York. Yeah, it's about 30 miles from um, midtown Manhattan. That's right. Out With on, the whole uh... kit and caboodle people, you could play with equipment used by tour pros. That's right. And wear the apparel that they don on their persons. So you could look and act like and look like a tour pro. Somewhere in there you could be a tour pro. Uh, Tim O'Connor, uh, a uh, another uh, fantastic uh, episode, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, Tim's available for uh, coaching sessions privately, not only on golf, but on all aspects of living a, a full and wonderful life. Um, <laughs> and you can laugh a lot oh, by listening yeah. to Howard on funny... Uh, funny eight twenty. Funny station. Yes. Yes. And of course, uh, and download podcast. Humble and Fred. Humble and Fred Radio dot Podcast. Your life is poor for it. All right. It's um, not as funny either. Listen, everyone. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy the rest of the uh, PGA Championship. Go to our Facebook page. That's how you enter. Um, and uh, we'll uh, we'll also put the uh, the winners as well. Until next week. Uh, very good. O'Connor Golf, there he is. Uh, this has been Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade and Adidas. You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park. But meantime, sound of the river, you're stopping, you hold everything. A band is blowing, Dixie, double fall time. 